I'm, I'm the one that's come here today to, to share with you a word that I believe the Lord has given me for you. And um, I tell people uh, when I do uh, uh, speak on behalf of the Lord, I tell them that usually there's, and in fact, not usually, always, there's three voices that are speaking. Isn't that right? The first voice is yours. And, and, and some of you are up there saying, that preacher needs to lose some weight. <laughs> that, uh, that preacher is old looking. Yes, I am. Today's my birthday, actually. So thank you. Thank you. This is a gift that I'd be able to come up here. I pastored in Huntsville for 21 years, and then we, uh, we stepped down to go and help uh, my family. It was uh, going through a crisis, and we helped them. And now we've got to go back up to Huntsville, and I have a son, uh, my number three son. I, I can't remember their names, so I use numbers. <laughs> my number three son is started a church up there, and he started it uh, six months before COVID hit, and, and their doors are still open, praise the Lord. In fact, they're, they're doing quite well there, uh, so we, we praise the Lord for that, and I get to participate with that, and I love Huntsville. God called us there, you know, in, in 92, and, and uh, uh, we, we fell in love with it. How many of y'all have ever been to Huntsville? How many of y'all don't like it? Put your hand down. <laughs> well, you know, we all have our calling. I admire your pastor. I really do. Uh, you know, um, to be a bivocational pastor is probably one of the hardest uh, um, callings that uh, an individual can have. You know, I, I tell people, I, I, I tell you what I did. When I, when I uh, went to pastor, I, I didn't start pastoring until I was uh, 38 years old. So I'd, I'd been through through things and had had a few jobs and what have you. But a year, one year after I had been pastoring, I called my pastor that I had before that. And I said, Brother Loper, it was John Loper, I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard of him, but I said, Brother Loper, I said, I have got to apologize to you. <laughs> I said, I did, I did not have a clue. I did not have a clue. I'm serious when I tell you this, pastoring is, is not easy. It takes a special calling, and your pastor, your pastor is a great pastor. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And his wife is a jewel. And, uh, and she's as much of a pastor of this church as anybody is. So, so you, uh, you honor them, and I know you do. Just keep honoring them. This morning, I'm going to share with you a word. Oh, I told you there was three voices, didn't I? <laughs> Let me get back. Second voice is my voice. You're going to hear me, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be preaching to you, hopefully. Uh, and uh, you're going to hear what I'm saying, and, and you're going to say, you're, the first voice is going to say, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. <laughs> and I don't believe that. But that's what you're going to say. Or some of you actually are going to say, I like that. Yeah, yeah. that's good. But let me tell you, the first two voices really don't matter. Right. Right. The voice that you really need to listen to is the third voice. And that third voice is the Holy Spirit. 
And what he will do, he will take the foolishness that comes out of this mouth. And the things that you're saying to yourself, and he will, and he will turn them on you. And he will say, wait a minute. I want you to think about this. And he'll bring encouragement, and he'll bring conviction. It's not me, it's him. And it, he's the ultimate one that will truly change your life. I, I, whatever I say, it, it won't matter. You know, 10 minutes after you leave here, it will not matter. But what he says will change your life for the lifetime. Amen? So, so you listen to his voice because he's here. Did you feel him this morning during the worship? Amen. Amen. He's here. So take your Bible with me, and you need to turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll uh, read that in just a, a few minutes. Um, I just had eye surgery, and uh, so my left eye had a hole in my macula, and they, they did surgery on it, and I'm in the seventh week of it healing. So I told, uh, I told uh, Pastor... I didn't know if I'd be able to see or not, but I'm not going to be able to see with these glasses, so I'm going to put them there. Amen. So you pray for me, all right? Because uh, if I get off my notes, we'll be here all day. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Did you know that this world has run off and left us? Did you know that? I'd, I'm 69 years old today, and I'm telling you, this world's a lot different today than it was when I was a boy. Uh, when I was 20 years ago, uh, it's a lot different now. In fact, um, I'm, a, I, I'm a YouTuber. I like to get on YouTube and look at uh, and get information off of YouTube. And, I, and no, I don't believe half or two-thirds of what I read off of it or see off of it. But there are certain things that are going on that you can find out on YouTube. And so... I was watching Elon Musk the other day, and that you, have you ever heard of the, the word Neuralink? You ever heard of that? Well, for those of uh, you who, who have not heard about it, Neuralink is uh, an experiment that uh, Elon Musk is, is, is doing, along with some scientists he's, uh, he's uh, raised up to do the work. They're, they're taking electronic uh, um, gadgets and placing them in the brain uh in the in the skull of pigs right now and 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 what they're doing there is they're linking the brains of these pigs with computers and so uh so this is a, this is fascinating concept uh, but what what the ultimate intention is is to enable you, those of you who are smart uh, in here, maybe you have an IQ of 120, maybe, maybe more, maybe less. But uh, the, the, the ultimate uh, purpose of it is to make you smarter. In fact, they said uh, what will happen is you will have the, the um, uh, learning ability of, uh, of someone with an IQ of 1,000. Because you will have a uh, attached uh, brain accelerator, you'll have Google, a Google brain, right? You know, when you don't know something, who do you ask? Google, of course. So it'll be it'll be right there with you. Anyway, it's all fascinating. Well, this is called transhumanism. 
Transhumanism is where they're trying to make humans better. Did you know that that was one of the reasons that God caused the flood? It was, it was because of the uh, Nephilim, uh, the Nephilim uh, angels came down from heaven and they, and they uh, 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 you know, had knowledge or, or came, to, uh, came and had uh, relationships with human women and, and, they, and they caused them to uh, have children that were giants. And uh, the Bible even calls them uh, that they were uh, 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 entities of legend, you know, that they were, uh, you know, very, very, very crazy, uh, wonderful, masculine, you know, champions uh, of the day. But, but that, was a, that, was a, that was a plan of Satan all along. Uh, you know, in the very beginning, when he tempted Adam and Eve, he tempted them by telling them that, that uh, he had a better plan for them than God did. That God wanted to limit them as to what they could do and what they could know. But Satan wanted to empower them so that they would be even as smart as God. Right? Right. So, so anyway, that was the plan. Well, it's never changed. The plan is still to convince you that, that you're not good enough. The depression that you have, you know, the discouragement that you have. A lot of times it's based on you looking out maybe on Facebook and you're reading these, these uh, lives that have been, uh, uh, you know, shaped and, and fondled to the point where they look like they're perfect. And so you look at your life and you see these other people who have this perfect life and you think that uh, you, you came up short. Right? But that's a lie. That's a lie of the devil. The devil wants you to believe that, uh, that you, you missed out in some way. And, that, and, and, and therefore you can blame God. You can blame God because God's not good. At least he's not good towards you. Well, that's a lie. That's, a, that's, a, that's one of the darkest and oldest lies the enemy is telling. So don't believe it. God made you uniquely you. You are perfect. You are perfect. Uh, and God's the only thing that alters uh, you from being all that you that God wants you to be is maybe God you're, you're, you haven't put God where He needs to be in your life. So anyway, there's uh, the world is changing. Um, uh, how about uh, you ever heard of, uh, of Lot? How many of y'all have ever heard of, uh, of Lot? The you know Lot and Abraham. Abraham was uh, Lot's uncle. Lot was uh, his nephew. Anyway, uh, they separated ways, and Lot went to a place called Sodom, right? And he settled outside the gates of Sodom. Eventually, he, he maneuvered himself into the city gates of Sodom. And there, there Sodom and Gomorrah became a, um, a horrible place, uh, a place of perversion. Remember that? Absolutely. And God ended up, what, destroying it. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, he says that in the last days that it will be like Sodom and uh, the days of Sodom. It will be like the days of Noah. And I'm telling you, uh, today, in the world today, uh, 
where in Sodom and Gomorrah it was, it was uh, uh, perversion, sexual perversion, homosexuality. And, and, and today we live in a world, apparently, where gender has become a choice rather than a fact. And people just accept that. Well, it's a different world. It's a different world. It's a different world than I, than, than, than I grew up in, and this world has left me behind. I'm a child born in the 50s. Anybody born in the 50s? A few of us? Well, we all know that uh, we were born pre-computer, pre-cell phone, pre-microwave. That's right. We lived without a microwave. Who can survive without a microwave? We lived without Facebook, TikTok, hundred other things. We we have we we did not get to survive uh, living with, and it's a wonder that we did survive. <laughs> I remember, I remember when an apple was a piece of fruit. I remember when a a, a Bitcoin was ten cents. I remember when a bit was a little piece of metal. In the mouth of a horse that helped guide him. I remember those days. Amen. You know what? In the in the fifties through the seventies, and in much of the eighties, actually, the Church of Jesus Christ was the strongest institution in America. It, is, it was. Most of us here today uh, remember the services, remember the preaching, remember the music, remember the worship uh, of God in those days, remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit among the churches, the, especially the Pentecostal churches. And, and, and we remember that God, God was, was foremost in people's hearts, and it was just a different, it was a different world. It truly was a different world, different culture. Um, in church history, you know, there's seasons. There's, there's been seasons when God moved in a powerful way. And I believe that was one of them, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, because I got saved during that time, and it was a powerful time for me personally. And, uh, but he's moved throughout the church in, in the ages. And uh, one of the largest movements of God was in the Reformation. Uh, any of y'all have ever heard of Martin Luther? Well, Martin Luther, you know, he, he, he came to prominence based on the response of a corrupted church. You know, the, at that time, the Catholic church was, was the church. And, and they had become so corrupted that uh, they, uh, all kinds of bad things were going on within the church. But one of the things that, uh, that really sparked Martin Luther's response and rebellion against the church was the selling of what was called at that time indulgences. And what the Catholic Church would do to raise money to build the St. Peter Basilica is they sold uh, uh, indulgences. In other words, if you were a sinner, right, and, uh, and you had committed uh, venerable sins, you could go to, to the church and they, for a certain amount of money, they would, they would uh, absolve you of your sins. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's what they were doing. Well, that caused Luther, 
you know, that called Luther, like I said, to rebel. And, and he, uh, he, went, he went and he nailed, that's when he nailed his 95 Theses uh, of protest against the Catholic Church to the, uh, to the, to, to the door there. And, and, and in that, he states his, his theology of salvation. Let me, let me just read this to you. So Luther taught that salvation and consequently eternal life are not earned by good deeds, but are received, or indulgences, but are received only as the free gift of God's grace through the believer's faith in Jesus Christ as Redeemer from his sin. His theology challenged the authority and the office of the Pope by teaching that the Bible is the only source and divinely revealed knowledge. That was huge. That was huge because at that time the Catholic Church would not allow people to read the Bible. They didn't want them reading the Bible. That way they could tell them what God said. Right? And they could, you know, twist it and do as they please as far as manipulating other people. And, and John, Martin Luther would not stand for that. And thus began the Protestant church, which we are a part of today. This is a Protestant church, amen? And we have the freedom, the freedom to worship God and to understand God's design and desire for our own personal life. That was, that was, a, that was a reformation. That was a great reformation within the body of Christ. There's another one. Uh, there's been many, but I'm focusing on a couple. The Great Awakening. How many of y'all have ever heard of the Great Awakening? The Great Awakening occurred between 1720 and 1760, and it, uh, it, it uh, highlighted individuals like Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a great uh, uh, a Scottish preacher, wasn't he? And, and he, um, you ever heard of the sermon? There was a great sermon that he preached, um, and it was called Sinners in the Hands of an angry God. And they say that when he preached that message, what he did was he stood behind the pulpit and he read it. But before he was finished with it, the entire church was wailing and, and was uh, screaming out in repentance. That was a move of God. That was a move of God. Who, who did I say you need to listen to this morning? It's not me. Amen. It's the Holy Spirit, and that's exactly what happened. And let me tell you, when the Spirit is moving, it doesn't matter who's up here preaching. When the Holy Spirit's moving, when the Holy Spirit is talking, it don't matter what's going on around you. It don't matter what you're going through. Because when God can get through and get into your heart and begin to speak to you and convict you and challenge you and encourage you, my friend, your life will change. And it changed for those people. George Whitfield, Charles, and John Wesley. All these were great prominent ministers of the day. The great awakening in America resulted in tremendous results. Tremendous results. The number of people in the church multiplied and lives uh, manifested true Christianity. It wasn't superficial Christianity. Their piety, their lifestyle began to change as they were convicted and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Denominational barriers broke down and churches began to cooperate with one another. And because of that, uh, the work of, of God began to expand throughout the communities of the day. Missions, in fact, began to come into prominence. Uh, a great move among the American Indians occurred during that time. In fact, so many ministers, young men, began to to, to seek out uh, the ministry. Some of the greatest uh, university institutions uh, were built during that time. Uh, institutions like Princeton and Rutgers and Brown and Dartmouth universities, those were built during those days to accommodate the young men who, who, who were going into the ministry. That was a powerful movement of God, was it not? Absolutely. Direct result of the great... Um, awakening. Another one, the Azusa Street Revival. You know, this church here today, the Church of God, Assemblies of God, and many of the other Pentecostal movements occurred because of the Azusa Street Revival, which occurred in 1906, right? How many of y'all have ever heard of the Azusa Street Revival? Well, it was, it was, it occurred in California. Let me, let me, let me, uh, again, share with you the historical record of, of what happened here. It was a historic series of revival meetings that took place in Los Angeles, California. So you know it had been God, <laughs> right? It was led by William J. Seymour, an African-American preacher. The revival began on April the 9th, 1906, and continued until roughly 1950. On the night of April the 9th, 1906... Seymour and seven men were waiting on God on Bonnie Bray Street when suddenly, as though hit by a bolt of lightning, they were knocked from their chairs to the floor. The other seven men began to speak in tongues and shout out loud praises of God. The news quickly spread. The city was stirred. Crowds gathered. Services were moved outside to accommodate the crowds who came from all around. It says here, people fell down as they approached the meetings. And they attributed it to the power of God just in the atmosphere. People were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the sick were said to be healed. Praise God! Praise God. I mean, how many of y'all would like to see a revival? How many of y'all would like to see a true, authentic move of God? We all would, wouldn't we? We all need to see God moving among us today. I believe he will. I believe he will. I believe he is. You know, each one of these revivals came to a time, came in a time when the church was at its very lowest ebb. That's right. It's, it is said that many of the pastors during these times, during these events of these great uh, movements of God, that many of the very pastors weren't even saved themselves. They were just up there preaching a social gospel and, and, and left, our, 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 left out sin and, and left out repentance, much like we see today. It's hard to go to a church today and hear sin being preached against. It's all about being feel, leaving, feeling better about yourself, isn't it? Let me tell you something. If you're living in sin, the last thing in the world you need to do is leave a church feeling better. At least about what you're doing. You need to feel, 
You need to feel the conviction of God. And come to a place where you know that you need to repent. And that God, if you repent, God will come into your life and will change your life. And He will give you the blessings and, and the strength and the encouragement and the life that you truly desire. Unfortunately, you're not going to hear that at many of the churches today. Unfortunately, the world we see today, in all of its deprivation, and it was deprived, it was deviant, is far and removed from the church we see today. I'm telling you, the 18th century church looked like saints compared to the church today. I'm saying that as a person who knows and understands what comes and goes out of the church today. Many, I'm, not, I, I'm, not, I'm here just sharing the Word of God. But many of you will leave here. Not, hopefully not many, but I know some of you will leave this, this church today claiming to be a Christian, and no one outside will be able to identify you as such. Amen. That has to change. You don't have to look far to see the depravity of the church. Look at the United Methodist Church today. Look at the Episcopal Church today. Look at some of the, even the Presbyterian churches today, where they allow ordained ministers to be preaching who are actually practicing homosexuals and lesbians. What Bible are they reading? I am so confused. I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that, that, uh, that they would allow that. Let me tell you something. You, you, you say, well, you need to be more accepting and open. I am more accepting. I want every homosexual in this world to come to church. I want every lesbian. I want every adulterer. I want every liar. I want every thief to come to the church. Because it's only through the power of God that they can be changed. My friend, I, I don't hate anybody in this world, and neither does God. In fact, that's why the Bible says that God desires none to perish, but that all come to a place of repentance. That means changing your ways. That means not leaving here and living just like you were before you came in here. It means not living like that anymore. And you can do so. You, you can say, well, I've tried, brother. I've tried to change. Well, you've tried. But you haven't tried with God. I'm telling you, the Bible says that, that when we receive Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God in our lives, that we are transformed. That the old has passed away and all things have become new. Amen? Amen. I know that for a fact, friend. I know what God has done in me. And it wasn't because of my own self-discipline. I have no self-discipline. You talk to my wife. She'll tell you. She don't mind telling anything on me. And that's the truth. And you're the same way. I'm just a human being. You know what? And, and, and there's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about your pastor. There's nothing, nothing special that, that God cannot make better. Amen. Amen. That's what Paul tells us. 
Everything I've shared with you so far this morning. As, as Paul is telling us in 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you don't have your Bibles turned there, I'm, I'm going to be speaking out of the New American Standard. But uh, I think they have the uh, English Bible up there. He's going to be uh, sharing it through that. So it may be a little different, but the message is the same, okay? Just a few different words. Paul, he's writing to Pastor Timothy. Timothy is the pastor of the church in Ephesus, which is present-day Turkey. It's in Turkey. And uh, so he's, he's trying to encourage him. And, and, and Paul is at the point where he's about to die. He, he, right after he writes this letter to uh, Timothy, he is, he is martyred for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's beheaded. And uh, so this is his last letter. So listen to, listen to what he says. He says, but realize this, that in the last days, are we living in the last days? Difficult times will come. Why are they difficult? Because men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these, for among them are those who enter the households and, uh, and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress. For their folly will be obvious to all. Just as James and Jambres' folly was also Verse 10, now you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. I want you to just look at that. I want you to underline that, if you would, in your Bible. Paul was saying, now listen to me, preacher. Listen to me, Timothy, my son. He says, I want you to follow my example. He didn't say follow what the Bible says. He said, follow me. He was saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Can I tell you something today? If revival is going to come, somebody out there has got to see Christ in you and me. They got to see a change within us. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, now follow my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance. Persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconian, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. It's not sounding like a rosy path. Verse 13, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however... Continue in these things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Who have you learned them from? The Lord. And what? 
And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for retraining in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. What was your pastor telling you you need to do this morning? Read the Word. Amen. Now, what Paul describes here to Timothy in that first half, is that not the world we live in? Absolutely. Let me reiterate just what he said real quickly. In the days that we're living in today, people are loving themselves and the things of this world more than they love God. The men that live in this world today are Christians by name only. They claim to know God, but have none of the fruit that accompanies a true convergence. Because of their depravity, they oppose the truth of Scripture. Don't they? Their folly will be obvious to true believers. Amen? Amen? This to me, I'm a true believer. Believe me, I'm a true believer. <laughs> I believe God. I trust God. I'm, going, I'm saved. I don't care what you think I am. I'm saved. I'm born again. I know. I have the Spirit of God resident in me. I know that. I know it. I know I can take you to the place where God filled me with His Holy Spirit. I can take you to the place where I, I was saved to the uttermost. I can take you there. Have I been perfect since then? Absolutely not. But I know this, my God has never forsaken me. And throughout, from that point, from that point to this point today, He has been working in me and changing me and challenging me and convicting me and making me into the person that reflects more and more His image. And that's my goal in life. To be like Christ, to walk where people see Christ in me. And Christ in us today is the hope of glory, is what Paul tells us. Amen. So in contrast to what Paul says the world should be, what should we be? What should we be in this world? Paul tells us in his last days, those of faith will do this. They will follow Paul's teaching, his conduct, his purpose, his faith, his patience, his love, his perseverance. He says that we will understand that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. People are going to make fun of you. They're going to tell you things like, won't you lighten up? Isn't they? Aren't they? Do you have to be so doggone religious all the time? Come on. Come on. Remember when we used to, come on, you can drink one beer. It's not going to kill you. No, it won't kill you. It won't even send you to hell. It may send that person to hell because you refuse to be an example in front of him. 
You'll be students of the scripture. Paul says in Romans 12 too, he says this, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? In the word of God. In the word of God. The prophet Joel tells us that in the last days that God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Amen? Remember the revivals I've shared? Joel says there's another one coming. Some, some ministers say that this, this particular revival is, is for the children of Israel because God's going to bring them in. They're going to, God's going to bring them into the kingdom. Amen? There's going to be a great outpouring for Israel. And I'm hoping that that, that will <laughs> begin to cause a tsunami that will flood the rest of the world. Paul, John, Joel says it's going to be on all flesh, so I hope it, it occurs. We begin to see what's happening in the Middle East. And amen, it's happening already. It's beginning to happen right now. Even among the Muslims, I'm hearing stories after story about how Jesus Christ is manifesting himself in front of individuals. And they're being saved. Amen? So... Will you be a participant? Will you be a participant in the last and great awakening? I believe for us to take place, we must come back to the basics of Christianity. Individually. We need to remove ourselves from the belief system of this world. If you listen to the people outside of the body of Christ, my friend, and, and conform to what they believe God is like, you're going to miss it. Because the God that they've created, and they have created a God, is not the God of heaven. It's a God of their own making. And that's not the God you need to bow to. You must come to a place with faith in Christ alone. Christ alone. That is your hope. It's not in a man. It's not in, it's not in some other belief system. It is in Christ. In what Christ has done for you. We're going to have some people baptized this morning. Those individuals have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And when, they, and when they get in that pool this morning, what's going to happen is this. They're going to bring a witness to their confession to Christ. And that witness is this, is that as they, as they get in that water, that water is symbolic of the grave. And as, as, as the pastor takes them and places them below that water into that uh, uh, symbolic grave, they're saying, I have died to this world. I have died to my old self. Just as Christ died at Calvary's cross, I have died with Christ. And when he raises them up out of that water, they are saying just as Christ was raised from the dead, which is the foundation of our faith, I too have been raised up a new creation in Christ Jesus, and I too will be raised from the dead. Amen? Amen. 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 That's, what it, that's what our confession is in our life. Needs to confess that not just one time when you get in a tub. Amen. Wow, that's good preaching. Yeah. 
(laughs) You know why? It's truth. It's truth. What I'm sharing with you this morning is truth. It's what God is telling you this morning. And, and, and what he's not conveying because of the limitations of this tongue and this brain, my friend, the Holy Spirit is confirming to you. You need to listen to him. So I have a challenge for you this morning. In church history, there have been great awakenings. You and I are being called today to become a source of that great awakening. A great awakening today. Let me tell you something. You may not, you're not, you may not preach to thousands, but every day you preach to some. The question is, what message are you preaching? God wants you to preach his message. And you can do that if you surrender totally and completely to him. And that you begin to confess him as Lord of your life. Lord of your future. Amen. Amen. Lord of your day. How we live our life matters. So let's become a believer that walks and behaves like Christ Jesus in every circumstance. Let's understand that all true believers will suffer because of their testimony. And understand this, you will overcome by being filled with God's Holy Spirit. So be filled. The disciples were filled continuously. It wasn't a one-time event. So pray every morning. I do every morning. I say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me one with you. Pour out your Spirit in me today. Satiate. Satiate me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. That's like taking a sponge and filling it full of water and lifting it up. Satiation means it can't hold no more water. It just spills out. Amen. That's what we want in our lives. Amen. We want to be so filled with God that it just drips out. Amen. Amen. So I want, you to, I want you to stand with me. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being here. Thank you for speaking, Lord, to every heart, to every mind this morning. For I know you did. I know you're still speaking, Lord. There's some here this morning, Lord, that know that there's some changes that have to take place in their life. Lord, I pray for them this morning. I pray that they would understand that the time The time is now, for it's short. The days are changing so rapidly, and there's so much deceit and deception that is coming into this world that those without faith, your word says, even those with faith, Lord, 
should those days not be shortened, would be deceived. Lord, help us today to surrender to you. Help these today who know they need to change. Lord, that they need to leave this place this morning. Lord, changed. Let them respond to you this morning. With your eyes closed and your head bowed, I want to ask this morning, is there anyone here? You say, Brother Jerry, God did speak to me this morning as you shared the message he gave you. He spoke to me and he showed me where there's some things in my life that have to change. And I don't even know I don't even know for sure that I'm, I'm a believer. I don't even know for, that I'm a Christian. I want to be a Christian, but, but my life doesn't reflect that. Will you pray for me? If that's you this morning, nobody's looking around, just me. I want you to do this. I want you to just raise your hand and look, look at me. And I'm going to pray for you. Right now, anyone here? You say, Brother Jerry, pray for me. Secondly, is there anyone here this morning you'd say, Brother Jerry, my life, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm saved, but my life is not reflecting it like I want it to. I want to change. Yes, I see that hand. I want, I want God's power to begin to change me and, ch and change some specific things in my life where I'm falling short. Pray for me. If that's you, raise your hand. Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes. Amen. And thirdly, eyes closed, head bowed. You say, Brother Jerry, I, I'm a believer and I love God and I'm trying to serve him. But sometimes I just fall into despair. I need God's strength. I need God truly to fill me to overflowing every day, and especially in a specific circumstance that I'm living in today where I'm challenged every day to serve him and to, and, to, and to be a witness for him. I need God's strength in that. Pray for me. If that's you, raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Yes, praise God. Praise God. Amen. Before I pray, I want to do this. If it's if 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 Pastor would permit it, I I uh, I want those of you who raised your hand. You don't have to. You can just we can do it right there in the. But but I I'd like for you to just to express your sincerity by just stepping down to the front of the altar and 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 let me pray uh, here for you. Will you do that if you raise your hand for any one of those three reasons? It don't matter for what reason, or you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need prayer, and you're, and you're serious about it. Just, just step down. I'm telling you, God, God will honor that. Even if you, if, I'm, even if you don't come down, I'm, I'm telling you, God will honor it, but I encourage you to do that because it'll help you. The Scripture talks about building memorial stones, right? Places of remembrance, remembrance. And that's what this will be. It will be a place of remembrance for you. You say, well, I'll remember coming down and letting God know that I'm truly, truly sincere. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just give God right now. Let's just begin to praise Him. Just begin to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.